Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome back to the Grief Gang podcast with me, your host, Amber Jeffrey. The message behind the Grief Gang is to normalize the topic of conversation that is grief. People living with grief can often feel ashamed, isolated and alone. This podcast was created to break those taboos after I myself experienced all of those feelings after the loss of my mum in 2016. I decided enough was enough and we need to talk about this. You'll hear on this podcast an array of stories and experiences, some being my own and some being fantastic guest episodes and their incredible stories. You'll laugh, you'll cry, but I hope above all, I hope you'll learn. I hope you'll learn that you are not alone in your grief journey, that you have a voice and it should be heard, that you and your grief matter. So without further ado, I'll let you enjoy the episode. Happy listening. So, G, can you tell us about who we are here to remember and talk about today? So, yeah, we are here to remember and talk about my little boy, Gray, um, who was born on the 17th of November 2019 and died in my arms three weeks later on the 8th of December 2019. Um, He was born nine weeks early and when he was two weeks old, we received um, a really awful diagnosis and we had to make the decision to switch off his life support and he died, died in my arms. And that is exactly what your book, If Not For You, is all about. And before we take a deep dive into the book and what it was like writing it for you, I wanted to ask you if you could kind of take us back to, well, I guess I guess really tell us the book. About, <laughs> I'm trying to like, tell us the story, but I want people to go and read the book. Yeah. Um, but I never, however you want to, to take us through um, the story of Grey. So um, my husband, Mike, and I had gone away for the weekend with our oldest son, Finn, who at that point was almost 18 months old. 
I was 31 weeks pregnant and we thought we'd have a little trip to the seaside um, as our last weekend as a three before we became a four. So we went to Whitstable, um, had a lovely Saturday on the beach in the sunshine, quite unseasonal for November in England. And then I woke up on a Sunday morning and started bleeding. I tried to stay really calm, phoned my midwife who said kind of, stay calm, everything should be fine, but you can't come back to London, you need to go straight to your nearest maternity unit and be checked. So we went there. Um, Fast forward through the rest of that day, they discovered that my placenta had abrupted. Um, Initially thought maybe they'd get me back to London, but my waters had also broken. And then I started to go into early labour. I had a C-section with Finn because of slightly complex gynaecological history Um, and so they decided that Sunday evening that it was time to deliver him they didn't want to risk kind of going overnight Mm. and so he was delivered I think it was about 10 to 7 that Sunday evening 31 weeks early and initially it was the shock of it being early you know nine weeks before he was supposed to be here and we didn't really have much time to take that in before this tiny little bundle was delivered and then mm. taken straight to the NICU. Mm. I was then put in recovery and I didn't see him again for eight hours. Um, kept saying, please let me go. And they were mm. saying, can you wiggle your toes? I was like, yeah, I can. I can wiggle my toes. I With can all your my mind. toes. Yeah. Yeah. I will. Yeah. I will yeah. do it. Um, it means me seeing my baby. <laughs> it means I see I'm my gonna, baby. I will, yeah. I will wiggle my goddamn toes. <laughs> couldn't wiggle my toes um (laughs) eventually I think it was around 4am they said okay you can come now Mike wheeled me round kind of through several sets of double doors and around the corner bizarre thinking why is he not next to me Mm. um to this incubator and in this incubator was this tiny little person who was under a phototherapy lamp jaundice had a little eye mask over his eyes plugged into so many wires and tubes that it's funny actually looking back because I, I I know that picture Mike's got a picture of him and it's really shocking mm. but but now I think kind of after everything that happened I look back and it's hard to remember quite how shocking that was yeah. in that moment mm. and how disconnected I felt trying to process having been through this surgery and you know still recovering from that anesthetic that mm wait this this is my baby this is this tiny person who was in my tummy and is now in an incubator Mm. um later that day his one of his doctors came to find us and said that they'd spotted a few markers that were a bit concerning um I was kind of straight away in tears panicking and he was saying you know calm 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 we spot lots of things you know this is the nature of the NICU we check loads of things they'd done a brain scan and there was something that didn't look quite right um he his ears were quite low and also he was nine weeks early but you know then as soon as they said that they then say but you know he could grow and then his ears could move up it's hard to tell with the baby that's nine weeks early um the brain thing we can't entirely check until we possibly think about doing an MRI anyway this was kind of the rhythm of the next few days as they spotted things and then they finally did an MRI when he was 11 days old and scanned his brain and then his doctor took us into a room the next day I thought we were discussing some genetic tests that they'd sent off mm. 
which had kind of come back okay. And she said, I've had a look at the MRI and I can just picture her face because yeah. in that moment, I just thought, oh, this is, I think this is going to be the worst news yeah. I'm going to hear in my life. Mm-hmm. I was talking to someone about it today because I was saying the rest of that conversation, I imagine from above my head, I kind or, of, yeah, yeah, I don't imagine it as me sitting there hearing it. I imagine it as a little out fly on body. the wall watching it. Yeah, yeah. a real out like of body. Watching from the ceiling, like looking at yourself. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, and she told us, you, you know, it was we had to wait for the full report to go to an MRI specialist in London. But what she saw was several things that just hadn't developed at all mm. as they should, and the you know the prognosis that came on from that was that he was going to be we which we discovered fully a couple of days later you know he wouldn't be unlikely to see or smell or hear or move wouldn't breathe without a ventilator mm-hmm. really really severe a severe diagnosis and mm-hmm. then in the days after that we were kind of very gently carried through um the, th- the thing that I didn't realize before is doctors don't necessarily say to you you know we think that you should remove life support or, or in yeah. our case they didn't it, it's very much this is the information and then really gently you. guiding yeah. you and so I think you know we were the first ones to say should we be considering this and they then say mm. you know that's a we think that is something we should consider and then you have yeah. all these other conversations and eventually through these conversations we made the decision that we would switch off his life support Mm -hmm. and um so they moved him from the main nursery ward where he was into a separate room and on that 8th of December which I subsequently discovered is I think the last day of grief awareness week so he was born oh my god he was born on world prematurity day and he died on the last day of grief awareness week. It's like, all right, you little diva. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go on awareness day. <laughs> I know what I'm gonna do. I'll, I'll be gonna... born nine weeks early on World Prematurity Day, <laughs> and then I think I'll just take myself out of this world on the he last day of grief awareness week. Actually, born on World Prematurity Day. Yeah. And then we spent two more weeks in Whitstable, and then came back, came back to London, and faced that. You know, as you. As, as I know you know you know you kind of you do the funeral don't you and you do all those days after and then you sort of step into this life where you kind of yeah. think what the yeah. hell do I do now you can swear <laughs> you can swear <laughs> what the fuck do I do now <laughs> and you write about that in the book so so distinctively of that coming home and the part when you wrote about when you came home and the, the thought of walking to what would have been his nursery and that your yeah. friends had to come and you walked in and your house had been painted. Yeah, it had been like... painted. So Mike's yeah, Mike's um Mike's sister and um our brother in law had come and painted our sitting room, which was actually amazing. So they painted it this dark blue colour. Yeah. Um before that it was some sort of magnolia. And it was amazing because it just it felt like it was different. Mm. And somehow I I think one of the things I was terrified of was stepping back into this house and everything being the same and it almost feeling as though it was all a dream yeah. which you know You've just being away for how many how yeah. many weeks and just plonks back here and it's yeah 
I wanted to ask you just again, like I said you earlier, the things that I've said you all want to ask you about, then other things I want to ask you about. As I'm, as yeah. as you were say, recapping the story there, of thinking about the book and and parts, the parts of where you brought Finn to meet him, to meet him, and love like reading in the book of like his his vocab and how he was language, how he spoke. Because how old was Finn? So Finn was when he was born. He was seventeen months old. Oh, so like, there was a baby, baby. Was such a baby which is so funny because I look back now and he's you know he's still so little he's nearly four mm. but he was so little and and I think in many ways <clears throat> that was so lucky because he yeah. had no idea what was going on my mum amazingly came and looked after him and you know it, as far as he was concerned like grandparents kept coming aunts and uncles kept coming yeah. every time someone came they brought him a present we were in this house where he just got to hang out with nana all day and yeah i think he just thought the whole thing was great frankly yeah. which which was my god was lucky because if it, you know if it had been hard to leave him or he'd been unhappy yeah. i think that would have we were so lucky to not have to deal with that mm. But he did. He came in to meet Gray. Initially, he couldn't come because he had a cough, and obviously, he can't bring any germs into Nikki. So yeah. once we were kind of sure that, that had gone, he he came, and the first time Gray was in his incubator, and he came in, and he'd kind of toddled down the hall and was like <laughs> a bit of a showman, kind of like hiya, hiya to everyone. Came As into they are. yeah, exactly, and then came into the NICU, and he did. I remember him like slightly. It was the afternoon, and the light. They turned down the lights a bit, and it was, mm. was it was you know they have this quiet time in the afternoon. Yeah. It was quite gentle and quiet and he you sort of saw him kind of go a bit oh wait a second there's a yeah this is an atmosphere here this is and we took him over to the incubator and Mike said this was the first time I met him was before he had the diagnosis Mm. this is your little brother and I just remember him looking in and we all thought oh this is lovely and then he just went like this and just smashed his hand on top of the incubator this like reverberating like oh my god like this, you're not it's absolutely you're not supposed to do yeah, that get away, like, get away. <laughs> like, right, lift, lift the baby away from the other baby this is not okay um typical but, brother love I know literally it was it was like really sweet poignant moment of like you know just you think we're being cute and like hanging out together I'm just gonna like take a smack around the back of his head but it was really lovely and then he he got really excited because he had a little duck sticker for one of his heart things and yeah yeah, it was really lovely and then and then he came in another time and then when we knew Gray was gonna die he came in once when I was holding him and it's actually really amazing I, I think I I haven't written this in the book but a nurse was taking pictures of us and we've got this really lovely picture of Finn holding both of Bear's hands and she kept saying I'm trying to take a video I'm trying to take a video and when when we looked we were like oh there's no there's no video and then I think it was you know quite a while later seven or eight months later Mike was Mike was looking on his phone and suddenly said George I've got a video she oh. she did record a video that is a video yeah. and so we've got this video of Finn going maman maman trying to reach for great hands and yeah. then just and then after that <laughs> there's a pause and then Mike goes Finn did you just fart <laughs> and then and then Finn just burst out laughing because he just, <laughs> just sat on his dad's lap and done a big fart and it's in. just yeah exactly and it was and it's such it's so weird when you, you know, and I remember thinking like, that's okay. That's okay. We'd have a video because I've got this memory, but then suddenly being allowed back into this little moment that I I remember at one point finding a video of 
my granny that I didn't realize I have of her when she was in her home and trying to walk and you suddenly it's so precious isn't it you yeah. suddenly think oh god I didn't I didn't know I had that and now and that you didn't just know how takes much I me wanted back to it. that exactly and it takes you just straight back to that moment which was devastating and heartbreaking because yeah. we knew he was going to die and it was going to be the last time his brother was ever going to meet him see him but also just so precious mm. so precious something that's really I find like very fascinating can be really difficult but actually now increasingly I find really wonderful is watching as he gets older his brain develops more this concept of death and of what death Mm. is and of what that means and of you know he said to me the other day I can magic him back mummy our magic grey back and you just think and then he says things like what if we what if there's another baby in your tummy and then that could be a grey that didn't die and like all this and you can see him already trying to process how how can trying I to bargain mm, like exactly trying to bargain. we're trying yeah. to fix it as well isn't it yeah. you know like that thing that as as you were saying in your podcast with Catherine Mannix that it's that innate human yeah. kind of I know this is something that makes you sad I know he's not here and we'd like him to be here yeah. what can I do to make that better and not knowing that you can't you can't bring someone yeah. back you can't make another baby it's not gonna we can't make another baby yeah. it's not gonna be grey so yeah and for him to tap into that so little. I know. It's something I've spoken to about a lot with other parents I know who've lost children. Mm. That idea that that you have a child that's never going to exist in the same world as another child. So Bear is never yeah. going to exist in the same world as yeah. Grey. And Finn is mm. never going to remember Grey. By thinking out to yourself and Mike of... Well, I can only imagine of how you speak about Grey and will continue to speak about Grey in your household. Yeah. That some of that will percolate. Will. And, yeah. Yeah. There's a part in the book that I will read at the end and that just I I don't know how you have, have ever have come to this. And it's just again, credit to the woman that you are, because um it's the forgiveness and just you you really are the epitome of like gratefulness and just Well that yeah. I think I I think there's a combination of uh, I have the most phenomenal support and I've always yeah. had the most phenomenal support. And I feel as though, you know, I there's a bit in the book where my dad really breaks down saying, mm. I'll do anything. Yeah. And it's like, there's nothing you can do except for everything that you've already done up to this moment. And you've, and that you know, it makes me feel really yeah. emotional. I've, I've I been part, so yeah. fucking lucky my whole life. I've been surrounded by love and then this horrendously awful thing happened that I'll carry, will carry forever of Grey Mm. dying. But somehow the love before and also all the love we had in the hospital and the support that we had, all of that kind of, and the clarity that he brought me, I think, and like, my God, I don't always remember that, get really fucked off about stupid small things. And like, you know, like we all do. And I sometimes actually was saying to my therapist last week sometimes I miss Gray's life Mm. obviously I miss that for being able to hold him and talk to him but all of the mess and the fucked upness of it and then Mm. the immediate aftermath for me the the clarity that I had about what really matters in life was really amazing and 
you know some life other bits of life creep back in yeah. and you lose a bit Comes of that and, and it poisons it a little bit and it's yeah it's weird it's like you almost don't want to, I, I don't know what you mean of like yeah going back and back in time of like trying to ground yourself and be like yeah okay remember when I've, I've tried and I tried to do that myself now as well kind yeah. of when things really stupidly worry me I think Amber like and I, I suppose it's that borderline being like not undermining like certain pressures or whatever things that should be worried about like, yeah like, yeah we should, we should live with some totally totally of life, totally but knowing of like what are the when, real fundamentals of exactly and purposeful and and life for you yeah is it this um I don't know what you mean of yeah you got you go through that clarity after of something so horrific yeah gives you this new like lens on life sometimes mm. a really shitty lens of like there's two yeah. isn't it of yeah of, oh god and it totally every, yeah. depends day to day doesn't it you, absolutely you, you have some days lens. where you think and my, yeah. I think some days my my brain goes into that <laughs> spiral of like oh what's the point you know yeah it is amazing the the things that have come into my life from yeah. grey dying and it's and it feels like such a weird messed up thing doesn't it like mm. I, I have had quite a strange relationship with feeling proud about the book because yeah on the one hand objectively I think like I've written a book and it's been published and I can hold it in my hands and it's a mm. whole book and it that means I'm an author and which is something I've dreamed about I yeah I've always loved the idea of writing a book but then for that to come from yeah the oh, worst yeah. most horrendous thing that could happen is such a strange and confusing it is I'm so there with thing. you I mean yeah it's, it's yeah and you must feel that with the podcast you know you've done this amazing yeah. thing you connect people and you just think yeah but frankly I'd trade it all in tomorrow if I could you know Absolutely. get your mum back if I could get yeah. Gray back yeah it's like oh, I'm sorry guys I would fuck you all off <laughs> <laughs> my next question for you is kind of pregnancy and motherhood after loss and from many mothers and parents that I've spoken with and connected with in the space this is a very kind of tricky tricky spot and I guess let's start yeah with 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 pregnancy after loss. So obviously, um, your son Bear was born. When was Bear born in twenty one? Bear was born on the fourteenth of June, twenty twenty one. In the immediate aftermath of Grey dying, Finn was like a lifeline, really. I think mm. because you know those early days of grief, I felt kind of relief initially, and then you, I feared between feeling numb and feeling so this raw visceral pain that like creeps mm. into every part of you mm. but I had this tiny person who needed me to yeah be his mum yeah. um and I think I had really amazing advice to kind of let him see me cry but then some you know so, I think especially in those early months some of some of the crying it wasn't it was like this angry crying that yeah I don't know like not angry not at anyone a, in particular not, yeah, but just well, angry at the universe angry at yeah. the fact that he wasn't here and, off. yeah yeah why couldn't and that's he come a cry that and, you might not want in front of yeah and muscled. yeah exactly and and so but he put a structure into my days and I had to get up and I had to get him to his childminder and yeah you know I had to play with him and and then lockdown came 
you know, yes. three months I after want to ask about that, yeah. Three months after Grey died. And I think that for me obviously it goes without saying that for all of the pain and loss and trauma of the yes. pandemic, I wish it hadn't happened. Yeah. But the lockdown specifically for me and for us at that point mm. provided us with this kind of pause from life and yeah. um we were at my parents which was really lucky and we didn't have to see anyone and we and we I didn't have to have those conversations yeah, when you go yeah. into the shop that you've gone into every week and then you're not pregnant anymore and then where's the baby bump and I didn't mm. have you know I, I wasn't at the swings with the mum next to me juggling yeah. the two little boys and all of that was kind of taken away because Stripped, yeah we were and then we had these times where just as a family, we were together and it was Mike and Finn and me and, you know, and then my parents and I felt really safe and I felt really safe to have them here because I found, and I, I know so many other people find that you lose that kind of trust in life and safety mm. of people that you love when someone yeah. dies, don't you? It's suddenly you just think, well, this the likelihood of this happening, we had genetic counselling at some point after Grey died and I remember saying, you know, what's the likelihood of this? And she, she said somewhere in the region of one in 100,000 to one in 200,000. And yeah. you think, well, okay, if that can happen, anything can happen. Like, yeah, you know, and, and so to be able to be in this bubble where they were both there and they couldn't leave and... They're <laughs> in your eyesight. Yeah. Like, yeah. Was actually really um amazing mm. and then um I I had to I, I had this really strong feeling after Grey died that I really just wanted to be pregnant again straight yeah. away which I think is quite common and I think um it I couldn't because I'd had a c-section and they mm. said you know you really you need you need to wait Rest, yeah. um and and I think part of part of that certainly for me I think probably somewhere in my head I thought if I can just get pregnant again it would just it would just be grey and I can just make it okay this time Mm. um and I got pregnant again um a couple of months before Grey's first birthday which you know I think this often ends up happening I've spoken to to other friends um that somehow dates coincide in a strange way and I remember speaking I was incredibly lucky I had a caseloading midwife who was an angel um Mm. who looked after me through my pregnancy with Bear and but things like you know she made sure that scan dates weren't going to be you know I think my three month scan was coming up around that what would have been what was Grey's death day and checking that it's not that day and checking that in my notes as far as possible, you know, there's a sticker yeah. on the front of my notes and as, as many, because I had, I think I had, I was counting up, 17 or 18 scans through my wow. pregnancy with Bear because yeah. I was in every single you clinic would. checking would, all yeah. these different things. Um, but it does mean, you know, you then encounter different people and they're not always necessarily going to yes. know. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Exactly, and so exactly what your history record, is. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, having stickers and things. But I was pregnant then for... Um, through kind of that second lockdown over Christmas and we didn't we didn't tell our families until I was three months pregnant um I think it was a I I didn't I knew it was going to be an anxious time I don't think I expected it to be as hard as it was and I don't think it was actually until maybe even a couple of months after Bear was born that I looked back and kind quite of- the level of anxiety because I think outwardly I you know it felt a bit like yeah. the, the duck you know duck, <laughs> kind of yeah you're just coasting yeah and true. but I can remember times when sitting on this sofa thinking is he gonna die now yeah. is he gonna die now and or thinking before every scan and had having this weird thing I think because um with Gray, we discovered subsequently that something had been missed on a scan. Yeah. Um, and so part of me had this weird idea in my head that, but if I go to a scan and then they find something, that'll be better. Then at least we'll know what we're dealing with. Yeah. Uh, you know, and all going through all of these weird it's and strange things. Yeah. And then also having Finn, who provided a great distraction. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and being in lockdown, which meant we then didn't actually tell really anyone we we told a few yeah. friends yeah. who we saw who 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 live close to I us I remember seeing the picture and went oh. yeah oh. <laughs> so we just connected I went oh yeah yeah we won yeah and um and and that felt like the right thing yeah for me and for us in that moment I think I I found some of the you know taking Finn to nursery and he'd been at this nursery for a while by the time it was obvious that I was pregnant but obviously with COVID you'd, you know yeah. you didn't have the same connections to people and no. so then having conversations at the gate and I remember once this dad you know and everyone's standing socially distanced and him saying oh is it your is it your second gesturing at my tummy mm. and me saying no it's actually not it's it's our third we had another little boy and yeah. He died. It's like how just, to get that into a sentence. Exactly. So, and and yeah. I and I think I certainly find, and and I don't know whether you find I get so used to saying it in some ways that I think sometimes when I say it, I I, I say it almost in the same way that I'd say, Oh yeah, just met someone for coffee. Honestly. You know, I <laughs> yeah, just rolls off the it tongue. It rolls off my tongue, which I think then makes it quite difficult for people to know how to react to it because they think, well, you seem like you're fine with this, but this yeah. doesn't really feel like very fine information. And Yeah, and you're like, I've, t- I've told you. it's Yeah, and then it's almost their reaction will make you then think of, shit, yeah. am I like really like, <laughs> like disconnected from this now or like really, exactly. like, it doesn't bother me anymore. It's really, and I thought that was such an interesting thing. I was listening to your conversation with um, Nafisa. Yeah. 
about sibling loss when she was saying how one of the things that she decides about who she's going to tell yes. is how she thinks that person's going to react Absolutely. because it it's difficult isn't it because I think sometimes I say it very what might come across as very flippantly mm. but then if someone reacts it, probably yeah. just mirroring my reaction you then think no this is a massive fucking deal yeah like if yeah. I got yeah if you're about to say like, oh, yeah, like my son's on my mum's and then she's like oh okay and you'd be like <laughs> are you sure no, no. Like, yeah like, that's that's the part where you're meant to like you know the, the cards of like the show like drop jaw like oh oh my god no way and like don't act, don't mirror me <laughs> but even then that becomes really difficult doesn't it because then because I think you find yourself then protecting someone else from their reaction Hugely. from this awful thing that you're telling them and yeah it's a huge thing isn't it in the way that obviously what what you're doing with grief gang and I hope in some ways by talking about these things it it will become something that more people are willing to talk about and then you don't have so many moments where you think oh shit I've just totally ruined your day and yeah you're happy with no like I'm whether they think it's flippant or they think it's that's yeah to deal with I I love that what Nafisa said of she's very yeah choosy of who who gets to hear yeah gets to know that knowledge and it's that fine line of okay but if I'm not saying to everybody who I meet oh yeah no I do have a sibling or I do I do have a son I do it I did have a mum am I doing a disservice to them and it's yeah which is so difficult really hard line to find if I'm doing the yeah. service but then it's almost an equal amount of disservice of like putting yourself in a situation where potentially where you don't, this yeah. person could maybe not intentionally yeah. like not at all no I'm sure not you could end up walking away from you. a yeah. really like meaning meaningless conversation with this person actually really hurt yeah it's about protecting yourself yeah hugely and it's almost I do find it sometimes like I I with like people that I work with and and customers I I work as a part-time carer and so meeting so many different people and even just like some of the older people I think I really can't be asked to get into this with you today no no really can't be covered but then the other day I said we've just passed Mother's Day Mm. she had a lady I went to she had a beautiful bouquet of flowers obviously like from one of her children and I said oh they're lovely um I said, who are they from? She said, oh, from my, my, from my son, from my son, and from Mother's Day. Um, and I just knew as soon as she'd said it, she was going to ask me. And she went, did you get your mum some nice flowers for Mother's Day? And I looked at her and I took about three seconds just to kind of like choose of like, what am I going to do? And I just went, yeah, I did. <laughs> oh, and I just, decided, I just decided, I just went... I'm really not in the mood to one be talking about Mother's yeah. Day and like, mm, and two, I just went, yeah, I did. She really liked them. Aww. And I, before that, I would have walked away from that being like, oh my God, that's really bad. I mean, you lied and you've like done no. your mum wrong. But I was like, you know no. what? I no. didn't have the energy that day. Yeah. I didn't yeah. have the brain space to actually no. go like, no, I didn't actually get my mum flowers because she's dead. Oh, I did. Yeah. I put them on a grave. Yeah. <laughs> like, just didn't have the capacity to do it to go there yeah it's a lot isn't it and it yeah and feeling like you're then trying to comfort someone yeah because I knew as soon as I would have said that she would have gone oh no oh you poor thing I was like I don't need pity today yeah (laughs) yeah right now I want to bring up the book 
for viewers, for listeners, I'm going <laughs> to, that's the book <laughs> hitting the mind. Bang, bang. <laughs> bang, bang. This is Georgina's lovely book. Look at it. It's stunning. I love it. What made you choose the cover? So they, so I had many conversations about the cover and they kind of do it. The, the publishers yes, did it, but yeah. I had a conversation with my editor and he said, have you got any ideas about it? And mm. I, one of the things that I always really remember with when Gray was in his incubator, it was against long windows, which looked mm. out to first of all, a car park and then these trees, which because it was winter or kind of skeleton trees mm. and in my head it goes both ways but obviously the sun either rose behind them or set behind them mm. I don't know which way around it was because you know your mind does those things doesn't it um but I just remember these skeleton trees with the sun coming through them yeah. and um actually my working title for the book was waiting for the sun because mm of my nephew who said oh, yeah. the day after Grey died, we don't need to cry because when the sun comes up, Grey's face will be on it. Oh, and um, and so thinking about the sun rising behind the trees was a massive thing. And so then they came up with various different iterations and that was really lovely. And I think Stunning. The, um, the little gold bits are yeah. also because in the book where I talk about the idea of Japanese kintsugi yeah. and how when something smashes and you I think you that's then literally the part fix it back together it's literally the part it's literally the part that I've um earmarked to read <laughs> listeners this is in the final chapter and it is that phone call with yeah the doctor to tell you she continues choosing her words extremely carefully one of the measurements we take can be an indication of one of the conditions that your baby, your son suffered, the missing corpus callosum. It should have been noticed. It would have, be, have put you on a path for further investigations. You should have had a more detailed brain ultrasound, more checks. She pauses, allowing this information to sink in. We should have been monitoring you more carefully, seeing how your baby's brain developed. She pauses again. We missed an opportunity to tell you bad news sooner. They made a mistake. In all my imaginings, in all my attempts to untangle what happened, I didn't expect this. Please, can I ask? I swallow. I'm sorry to cry, but I want to ask, and this isn't about placing any blame, but do you mean that it was a mistake? I pause. I just need to be clear. I understand that people make mistakes. I'm not angry. It's true. I realised as soon as she told me, I'm shocked, but I feel no anger. People make mistakes, even doctors to touch back on what I said earlier of the forgiveness and whether that's my own my projection of how I may if I were ever in your shoes I want to ask you how in that moment hearing that from the doctor yeah and you genuinely saying people make mistakes even doctors I think to be really clear on the mistake it was a diagnostic mistake. Yeah, yeah. So I have, I am in no, it wasn't a mistake that would have made any difference yeah. to Grey living or dying. Um, and that's a huge distinction to yes, make. Yeah. Um, and for me, you know, I went through, that would have been at the 20 week scan, which was done around 22 weeks. 
I would have had weeks and days of worry. I did, they couldn't diagnose what was wrong with Gray until mm. he had a full MRI and a full genetic full genetic testing when he was two weeks old, so the equivalent of 33 weeks gestation. Yeah. I just don't know if they, I think, you know, there was, there was no easy way out of this. And no. if we had had to make those kind of decisions while he was, while I was pregnant with him, I just, I kind of can't, I almost don't even let my mind go there because yeah. I know that's not an easy thing in no. any way, shape or form. I think, you know, I know women who have had to make that absolutely, you know, gut-wrenchingly awful decision to, you know. Terminate for medical reasons. To terminate for for a medical reason. And, you know, that's that's awful. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's no comparisons either. There's no, there's no hierarchy of grief, but, you know, I think, the trauma of that and all I know is what we had which is Gray was born and we had him here in the world for three weeks and we got to know him and you know see his little eyes open well that leads me on to yeah the the part that just in these two last pages like the journey I went in from like from literally page yeah 393 to 295 the change of like reading you saying about you know people make mistakes and reading it and I was not angry but I was like I I was I'm just in awe of just like the, the forgiveness and just the I can imagine for that for that one for that doctor to call you and say like we're so sorry this was something that should have been picked up yeah obviously probably the fear of god that was in them to call and yeah. to say and to deliver that news and she and was to... so kind and she you know she wasn't the person who'd done the yeah. um, scan anyway but she but here she was amazing yeah yeah do you go and it's I... okay i'm not angry um i just yeah i was my jaws on the floor i was just like i mean i just you're an angel anyway but i was like yes no. <laughs> but that just leads perfectly into as to kind of as to why you were I say forgiving forgiving is maybe not the best word for it but well that's the thing it never felt to me it never felt like something to forgive so I think it just I I felt it was nothing I felt about it and it and I and and that is honestly no part of me has ever thought yeah I need to forgive I wish that hadn't happened how it happened um, and that's because, because we got of this yeah this beep that yeah, you put it just perfectly in this last little paragraph of he felt our love felt our heartbeats and we felt his he saw the sun and felt the fresh air on his cheeks we held him felt his little hand clasp bars saw his eyes flicker open his legs kick he met his family he held his brother's hand he was looked after by strangers who became family I saw more kindness, more love in 21 days than some might see in a lifetime. For his brief moments in this world, he experienced all of the very best things it can offer. And then he died in the arms of a mother (laughs) who loves him more than her inadequate words can ever begin to express. In turn, he filled our lives with love, clarity, perspective. We were lucky. We are lucky. I can never regret that. So I see really it was the best mistake anyone could have ever made (laughs) that is how I feel 
which is not to say incidentally there haven't been and I'm sure will continue to be really fucking hard and shit parts on this on this journey of grief and post death life but he was but, he was the but he was here and he was amazing and yeah. he he's reframed i think the way i think about so many things he's reframed the way i think about love because yeah. i loved him and we received that diagnosis and we made that decision and you know we will live forever thinking what and i, I watch bear now um you know he's just started to crawl and he grins and he's so cheeky and mm. the way i look at him i know that it's different to how i how can i phrase this without it sounding like i I really feel as though I know so clearly with Bear and with and with Finn, of course, just the privilege of having them in my arms and getting to bring them up. And, you know, that's not to sugarcoat parenthood because there's always going to be fucking tough bits. Mm. Um, and I know that there's going to be many, many more tough bits to yeah. come. But just sometimes I just squeeze bears little arms and I just think oh you're here you're here and you can smile at me and we can hang out and I just I love you so much and I yeah losing grey has it's reframed so many so many things in me Mm. it's you know it's funny isn't it I think sometimes people say kind of how's your grief affected your life and I was saying to my therapist a couple of weeks ago, I feel like a glass of water, like a funny shaped glass of water that you Mm. put dye in and that dye finds every single part of that water. And I feel like I'm the same, you know, I'm still me, but as human beings, we constantly evolve, don't we? We constantly change. Every experience that we have is adding to and subtracting from and reforming us and reshaping us. And, And I think for me losing grey has changed every part of me and affected every part of me and some of that has been wonderful some Mm. of it's shit you know my health anxiety is yeah you know I'm forever thinking what's gonna happen to me what's gonna happen to someone I love and um but then there's the magic as well and the yeah you know, I feel that I really, the perspective and knowing how precious life is, how precious yeah. love is, how precious friends are and people are and connections. And I think that's, you know, we touched on it a little bit earlier, but meeting you and finding you on Instagram and that we can connect. I mean, that's one yeah. of the, the, the magic of social media to some degree, isn't it? You know, that yeah. I can talk to a mum in Australia who has lost her beautiful daughter, a mum yeah. in New York who's lost her son you know, someone who's become such a dear friend who yeah. lives on the Isle of Wight, um, who lost her little boy and oh, yeah. talk to them about these deep and amazing things and have, like, I thought the other night I was talking to a lady and she was saying, just cut the small talk, <laughs> like go straight to the big Let's stuff. cut the bullshit, yeah. Um, but there's something really special about that, isn't there? You know, 
we've met now luckily happily in in real life a few times but I've spoken so many times about life and love Mm. and death and mused over these big things yeah it's like the small stuff is like oh yeah okay whatever yeah yeah (laughs) is like finding it's like, yeah, like what do you do for a living actually it's like but yeah. I know you're deepest in like personal thoughts and it's like oh shit okay that's what you do right Just yeah yeah it's, it's so interesting it's it's funny isn't it and I think that yeah the the power of I think it's a bit isn't it knowing the joy and beauty yeah. that exists in really small things yeah I'm gonna ask you yeah. our question from our previous guest yeah and I feel like I'm probably really gonna cry that's probably not best to say to you (laughs) but to ask you this question (laughs) so this question was from our previous guest June Mm. and she would like to ask you say you had one more evening or night with them what would you do and what would it look like so I would I would go back to the NICU obviously although unless unless in this fantasy you're allowed to take them out whatever. of the place that they are whatever um I'd take him to the beach I'd take him to the beach where he decided to arrive yeah and show him the sea because I love the sea and he never got to see it in real life. He saw the sky. He saw the blue sky because we took him out in the pram. The nurses and doctors arranged for us to take him out in the pram. We took him out one day and it was a beautiful December day. Yeah. I take him to the beach on a day like that and I just sit with him curled here, which is what I do now in the evenings. Yeah. <laughs> After I fed Bear when he's fallen asleep. I sometimes just sit with him sleeping on my chest Mm. and I never really let myself do that with Finn because I think I had in my head that if he slept on me then he wouldn't slip in his cot and all those you know panics that you have and that's what I do for the whole evening yeah and I just tell him that I love him again and again and again and again and again (laughs) because you can't tell people enough can you you can never we should Never. all tell the people that we love that we love them multiple times and show them we, them that we love them. Absolutely. Because he was a beach boy. He was a he beach was. boy. He was a little Kent beach boy. You're all London, London folk and he's a beach boy. <laughs> he is. And we've oh. sprinkled his ash, some of his ashes, kind of taking his ashes on a bit of a round-the-world tour yeah. to all our favourite places. But He's going round the world. Some, some of them are on the beach in Whitstable. And I love being able to visit him there. Because the first yeah. time we went there was the... The day before he was born so it just yeah always feels like his place it's his place it's gray's place oh. it is and so g can you leave a question for our next guest no idea who it's going to be just okay. a question for our next guest what is something that someone can be anyone like friend family complete stranger has done or said um in the aftermath of your person dying that has stayed with you or been really special or poignant or important my last thing I need you to do is to tell the people where they can find you and where they can buy your bloody book (laughs) um 
they can find me on Instagram. Um, and uh, that's very originally. Yeah. Georgina, Georgina S. Lucas. Yeah. Um, I am on Twitter as well, but I'm really, I'm, <laughs> I'm mostly on Twitter to, to stalk. To st- oh, yeah, me too. I'm a stalker. Stalk books. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and my book, If Not For You, is available at um, most bookshops, Waterstones, um, bookshop.org, all, um, I think some, I mean, all local bookshops will order it in. And it's on Amazon as well. I shouldn't say that, will they? Yeah. Go to the other bookshops. I, I'm not an Amazon <laughs> hater. I can't lie. I love Amazon. I know Amazon's I'm, great. I'm a Amazon, dickhead. Amazon, I know. Amazon, no, no, but Amazon, I think, you know, Amazon's I know, great. It's just, I, I feel like in a book sense, it should encourage people I, towards, tr- towards yeah, that's bookshops very true. first. But it is very on Amazon. true. I, do, I am Amazon. conscious. I will go into a Waterstones. No. I'll say, I'll, I'll, I'll do that bit again so you can have. So it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's at waterstonesbookshop.org, Amazon. Order it at your local bookshop. Yep, support your local bookshop. <laughs> well, Grief Gang, thank, thank you so you. much for being here today and listening to my conversation here with Georgina. Thank you so much, G. You've been an absolute dream. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really wonderful. Well, that's it for this week's episode. I hope you all enjoyed it and it set your week off to a great start. Whether you've laughed a little, cried a little, I mean, I think crying is good for the soul, or you've resonated with something that was said, thank you for listening and spending time out of your day to do so. If you like what you hear, please do rate, review and subscribe. In doing so, you're ensuring that lots more people get to find the Grief Gang podcast and hopefully help them too. If you're not already, check out the Grief Gang on social media platforms such as Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. I'm most active on the Instagram page where I love, love, love to connect with you all. For now, take care and big, big love. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.